This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Today is Wednesday, July the 15th, and we're delighted to have you with us uh, for another episode of Empty Pews. This is Bentley Manning coming to you from the Church of the Incarnation. And this is Callan Day coming from Highlands, North Carolina. I can't believe we're halfway through this month. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it's July. Yeah, everyone's talking about fall and getting back to school, whether or not we're doing it. I just, I feel like we just got to summer. Yeah. Well, here we are uh, for another episode uh, at the hinge point of the summer. Summer, loving, give me something. I'm about to lose my mind. All right, Kellen, I don't know about you, but since we have started this podcast, I have had a flood of phone calls from colleagues asking about uh, bookings, whether or not they could be on the show. They want to get on the podcast uh, and be and be with us in this format. Have you have you received any phone calls? No. <laughs> you haven't had any? My friends don't want to be on the podcast. <laughs> well, I guess we just have a different group of friends. Uh, nevertheless, it should be noted that um, there is a good possibility that in the weeks ahead, we could have uh, some stand-ins as co-hosts uh, for an upcoming episode. I don't think it's exactly right to call them co-hosts because we won't be here. I just kind of meant substitute teachers, like they're standing in, Yeah, right? so it's podcast takeover. We're going to have a podcast takeover is what it's called, I think. A podcast takeover where you're not going to hear my voice. Or my voice, except in the intro because our intro is our intro. Our intro is our intro. That's a non-negotiable. I think we'll still have the same outro music. Right. There'll be some some consistent pieces of the podcast, but the people talking on them will be uh, some mystery characters. So what I'll just tell you, Kellen, I'm a little nervous that what if our our listeners appreciate the guest stand-ins, the takeover, more than what they've been offered for the past however many episodes? I think that is a risk that we are taking, Bentley, um, because the people who are going to you know, be leading the podcast next week or in the weeks to come are awesome. And they'll they'll love them. Right. What I would say, though, is that maybe over the time that we've had with our listeners on Empty Pews. We've really built some rapport and connections. We've built some connection, some trust, um, understanding. And I think there's, you can't just erase all the time that we've put in with our uh, listeners to to where just some some guest shows up and then all of a sudden people want them instead of us. I think that love's not zero sum, Bentley. That there's room for them to love the people taking over the podcast and for them to love us. I don't know if that's a theological position, but it's one I absolutely agree with. That love is not a zero sum proposition, and there's always more to go around. Love, love, love keeps us all connected. Love, love, love when you least expect it. Love, love, love keeps us all connected. Love, love, love when you least expect it. Love, love, love everybody sing. Cause love, love, love it's a beautiful.
All right, speaking of love, last week, Kellen and I shared uh, two different podcasts, uh, which were lectures or ideas that we both loved, uh, and then we wanted the other one to take a listen. Um, I shared, you all heard last week that one of Kellen's, or her favorite theologian is Sarah Coakley. Uh, A couple years back, Sarah Coakley gave a lecture at a church in Boston on the history of Anglo-Catholicism and was a critique of the movement. So I shared that podcast with her, um, and then she sent me one as well. And I shared uh, an On Being podcast that um, was an interview with Resma uh, Menekem, and he is a black therapist in Minneapolis who sort of focuses on how trauma, specifically racial trauma, is in sort of found in people's bodies and how that gets passed on through generations. All right. So, Kellen, one of the things that I really, 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 really loved about the podcast you sent me, and this is not what the 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 guest said on the show, but it's something I picked up on. I think there was like the subtext is that most of us probably feel our way through the world more than we think our way through the world. Uh, and being mindful of how we experience uh, different situations, different ideas, different people, how we feel that in our bones, quite literally, you know, like how we viscerally uh, process a situation or an idea is something that we probably don't spend enough time on. Um, we often think that we can just, in our brains, like we're, you know, uh, brains on a stick. <laughs> but what this podcast uh, forced me to think about is my own reaction, visceral reaction to uh, matters of race. Uh, so as a white person, how do I, how do I feel about some of these uh, questions being raised right now in society? And then to also think about how others physically feel uh, from their vantage point. Um, that's probably, that is an oversimplification of what the, what the podcast was asking us to do. But it, but it certainly asked us to think more critically, uh, to engage more fully with uh, how our bodies feel um, or experience, again, I'm repeating myself, but experience um, different environments, different cultures, different people. And then the piece that I don't know that I was as... um, you know, mindful of or thinking about is that then this this guest on the podcast, this doctor says, you know, you you feel a certain way, but there are some practices, right? Some disciplines, some methods to start to change the way that your body might react or feel in a certain situation. So gave some really practical advice uh, in in terms of how we might adjust. Um, our our feelings, our responses to situations in a more positive way. Does that, I mean, Kellen, you've heard the podcast. Is that your sense? Yeah, that's definitely my sense is that um, for him, he believes that sort of trauma is sure located in our memories and our sort of cognitive function, but it's powerfully... Uh, located and just 
our whole bodies and the level of cortisol (laughs) in our nervous system. And he thinks that the sort of way to heal some of that trauma is to work through one's body to do these sort of um, small but really important practices. And this is, I mean, this is like most, some of the most recent um, cunning edge like trauma studies out there and he's just applying it to racial trauma and how it affects um, people of color specifically but then also those of us who are white too. The part Kellen that he didn't that he didn't mention that I was just kind of over like thinking in my head um, is that you know throughout Christian theology there is a there is a a clear line that suggests something like uh, like the idea that sin, the effects of sin, is passed down from one generation to another. I mean, you see this. The sins of our father. Right. Right. Are in this generation. And one of the things that I would just say listening to this podcast is he he's somebody that would say, I've actually seen that happen and it can be measured. Right. The effects of sin do get passed down from one generation to another. So that gave me a lot to think about. Um, sometimes we scoff at that kind of thinking in scripture. But here is like a concrete example of people who have inherited. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, sin is inherited, but also the results of sin, like um, the effects of oppression or sort of injustice is also passed down and inherited. Exactly. Um, all right, Kellen. So what about the, the podcast I sent your way? Yeah, so I think there's actually a really lovely um, connection between these two podcasts. You know, the one I sent you is about um, trauma and the body and how we heal that trauma. And it's done through these physical practices. Um, and the podcast you sent me was um, a lecture by Sarah Coakley about the history of Anglo-Catholicism. And though maybe it didn't start off as a movement, um, you know, highlighting the importance of rituals um, and the way our bodies move in worship, it certainly became that and informed the various ways our bodies inhabit worship and how that might change and form us. So, um, Right. So I think like the other podcast, there is a sense, at least in, in within the movement that Sarah Coakley is reflecting on, is that our relationship with God, our relationship with the divine and the world around us might not, in fact, be first understood uh, through some kind of intellectual proposition uh, that we assent to, right? But that we feel our way into these things uh, bodily, you know, where we place our bodies, how we inhabit worship physically. How we use the material items in our worship. Exactly. How <laughs> all of that might draw us ever closer uh, to God. And, you know, what I would say is not a surprise. If God chose, for whatever reason, to make us bodily creatures, certainly that would be a means by which God would want to engage with us, not just our kind of brains as if they're just some floaty thing in the air ideas but if god created the heavens and the earth and human beings and called it good then wouldn't that be a means a channel by which god would connect with us and i think this is one of the wonderful insights of anglo-catholicism that has been incorporated into almost every 
aspect of Episcopal churches throughout the country, whether or not they'd identify with that movement or not. Speaking of the goodness of creation, Jesus is telling us a parable this week in Matthew. It's another parable that, you know, has to do with seeds and harvests. Um, And it's so evocative, especially during this time of year, because everything's growing. Bentley, do you want to give us a summary of the parable? Yeah, I'll do my best. All right, you all likely know this parable from Matthew, but in it, Jesus is comparing the kingdom to a landowner who has a field, and on that field, uh, he has sown wheat. Uh, But while the planters, while those who were sowing the wheat throughout the field fall asleep, an enemy comes and sows weeds among the wheat, which leaves the workers confused about what to do, asking their master what to do with the field um, and what they should do with the weeds among the wheat. And the master tells the laborers, Um, that they should not gather and try to separate things now because in doing so, the weeds would uproot the wheat alongside them, but instead suggest that they should grow together until harvest. And at harvest time, they will first collect the weeds, bind them into bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and place it into the barn. Uh, So there's this sense in which uh, the weeds and wheat will continue to grow alongside each other until harvest time. All right, Kellen, I must admit that given last week's parable, this one is leaving me scratching my head a little bit, not in terms of its theological content, but just understanding the parable for what it is, the metaphor. I think what's being said is, don't pull up the weeds immediately. Let them grow alongside the wheat. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think that's right. So they're, you know, we're told not to pull up the weeds in fear of uprooting the wheat, the good seed, and just to let them both grow fully um, together so that when harvest time comes, the wheat is harvestable um, and you'll just discard and burn the weeds. My confusion is probably coming from the fact that I've been told with our garden here that you need to continue to pull up the weeds constantly in order for other things to grow, which was kind of like the message from last week's parable. Uh, but there's a sense in which that pulling up the weeds too soon will will harm the wheat that's growing. Yeah, I feel like I've been gardening all wrong. Like, I'm going to stop pulling up my weeds and just let my, you know, vegetables grow. 
it's certainly a lot. It would be a lot easier. It'd be would, so much easier. Why are we what waste? Are, yeah. What have we been doing with our time? But my sense is that Matthew, and in particular Jesus, in this parable, is not first and foremost offering us advice on how to garden, but is more interested in how to uh, build up the kingdom uh, that's that's has started in and through the person of Christ. Yeah, I don't think that Jesus is like really an expert on farming in this parable. So what is he trying to say? So I'm, I'm really, I'm wrestling with this parable because, um, you know, leaving the weeds in seems like this almost acquiescence to evil, to the bad seeds, to the, um, you know, unwanted things in our lives. But I don't think that's what Jesus is really talking about here. It is a bit of a puzzle, but I do think that like parables aren't really intended to be pressed to their like logical or illogical ends because they're these little short stories that are attempting to teach sort of through the spirit of the story and not necessarily through like the details because some of the details are kind of absurd and the conclusions that we reach with those details are even more absurd. Um, So What's the spirit of the parable? So my sense, Callan, thinking of it in those terms, um, what is it trying to convey? I think one of the things that it's trying to convey is that these workers in the field are probably uh, overly concerned with short-term results and outcomes. So they go to the landowner in a bit of a panic. What should we do? We need to do this. And the landowner says basically, hold up, slow down, the work that we're about in this vineyard is going to take a lot longer and a lot more time than you might fully realize, which might be a lesson uh, to us as Christians. When we look around the world, when we look at the kingdom, it's very easy to become discouraged and to believe that there are weeds growing up all around us. And don't we need to do something right now? Don't we need to fix it? And of course, uh, we need to respond But the work of bringing about God's kingdom ultimately is in God's hands alone, and it will take longer than many of us would want or expect. My heart has known the winters, and my feet have known the snow. But mine eyes have seen the glory, oh, see. In a grove, there is a time to uproot all, but most days just hold on tight. For there's a time for darkness, honey, but dawn will always beat the night. Here's a blessing from Jan Richardson called A Blessing with Roots. Tug at this blessing and you will find it is a thing with roots. This is a blessing that has gone deep into good soil, into the sacred dark, into the luminous hidden. It has been months since the ground gathered the seed of this blessing into itself, years since the earth enfolded it. Sometimes that's how long a blessing takes. And the fact that this blessing should finally show its first fruits on the day you happened by Well, perhaps we shall simply call the timing of this ripening a mystery, 
and a sweet grace. Take all you want of this blessing. Take every morsel that you need for the path ahead. Let its fruits fall into your hands. Gather them into the basket of your arms. Let this blessing be one place where you are willing to receive in unmeasured portions, to lay aside for a moment the way you ration your delights. Let yourself accept its inexplicable plenitude. Allow it to give itself to sustain you, not simply for yourself, though on this bright day I might be persuaded to think that would be enough but that you may gather its seeds into yourself like the ground where this blessing began and wait with the patience of seasons and of years to bear forth in the fullness of time a stunning harvest, a plenteous feast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to listen to our podcast. It is a great joy for us uh, to create this offering for you all. Um, Yeah, thanks for tuning in to episode 17. And make sure to tune in next week for some special uh, guests slash people who are taking over our podcast. It should be a lot of fun. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.